Thank you for listening to Remodeling Mastery by Mark G. Richardson, produced by Surefire Local. Over 50,000 people have listened to Mark's podcast series specifically for home improvement businesses. You can subscribe to this podcast on any mobile phone using iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Mark Richardson, and welcome to Remodeling Mastery. Remodeling Mastery is a podcast series that's designed to really help you reflect and think about your business and take it to the next level. This podcast series has many, many episodes on different components and tips and issues about your business. So I would encourage you to go back and take a look at the library as well as maybe even subscribe if, in fact, you'd like kind of the flavor and theme of this podcast. Now, it's very difficult, I think, to gain insights with the pace of life and business. So it's an easy way as you're driving along in your car, your vehicle, to really listen to a podcast and really help you, I think, improve yourself. This podcast series is supported by NARI, the National Association of Remodeling Industry, as well as Professional Remodeler Magazine, both incredible and important sources for your success. Additionally, it is produced by my friends at Surefire Local, which are a leading digital marketing organization that is really committed to helping you improve, I think, your business. Today, I want to talk about a topic that I think is what I'm seeing out in the marketplace that is oftentimes the things that kind of separate the haves and the haves nots. It's the topic of scarcity. And the reality is that some businesses out there have a certain amount of scarcity, scarcity as it relates to opportunity, leads, clients, projects, and then some have an abundance. Why is it? We're all dealt the same cards. We're all in the same market. But what I see is some very specific things. And the one thing I, I recognize is those companies that understand scarcity versus abundance are the ones that know how to deal with it. And I want to talk a few tips on what that might be. But before I do that, let's just talk about kind of what the scarcity means as it relates to your business. You know, scarcity, scarcity could be related to the leads and the opportunities. And, you know, what it happens if you don't have the right amount of leads and opportunities? It not only will influence certainly sales, but it also influences how you approach each opportunity. You might take on projects that really aren't in your wheelhouse or competency. If you are operating in scarcity, you might adjust your margins or your pricing uh, so that it's really lower and less profitable. If you're operating in scarcity, you might take on certain clients that, quite frankly, you might say no to. The reality is all of these things, all of these things together really add up to operating in scarcity. is not just about having a little less food on the table. It's seeing the business or the machine or what you've created kind of break down. So if you truly believe that, then the first thing I think you have to do is say, okay, I'm going to make not operating in scarcity or trying to operate more in balance or a little bit more abundance a really priority. So the following are really a few tips, tips that I think will help you be able to do that. Number one is you want to invest more time and energy into 
uh, lead generation, your client base and opportunities out there. And I use the word time and energy, not necessarily expense, because I think a lot of people, when they think about marketing, they immediately gravitate towards the expense of marketing. But in my opinion, that the better companies out there that are operating in abundance, the leaders within those companies are spending at least 10, if not 20% of their time focusing on creating opportunities that fill the pipeline. And this is something that all of your individuals need to be focused on as well. And that's important that they, they are putting the right time and energy. The second tip I would give is really knowing your numbers. Now, I talk about this a lot on this podcast series, the importance of knowing your numbers. But what you need to do if you want to operate in more abundance or more balance is you need to understand those numbers, understand where your clients are geographically, what your clients kind of demographic, and even on more of a what they really kind of care about. And I think the more you spend time drilling into what you like to do, what you're really good at, and who your clients are that you can do it for, the more that you'll be able to, I think, understand better. So really understanding those numbers and those projects. And I oftentimes like to think of that visual of a target that you're shooting. And in the target is a bullseye. And in the bullseye, that's who your ideal clients, your ideal projects, and certainly where you should be getting the most of the and getting plenty of opportunities in there so you can operate, I think, more effectively. The next thing, I think, taking a deep dive into your marketing efforts themselves. There are certain marketing efforts that you just do because you've always done it. And I would encourage, if you're going to operate a little bit more in scarcity, marketing and marketing strategies are changing pretty dramatically right now. And as a result of that, you need to really drill into that and, and spend some time and energy, not only taking the inventory on that, but also becoming more uh, knowledgeable and effective and listening to more things and searching more insights on things. Because the, re, the, the, the folks that are out there are really on more of the, I would say, kind of in the wave, so to speak. And they're not necessarily just guessing at stuff and, and therefore losing ground when it comes to your marketing efforts. Number four item I would suggest here is don't be a stranger with your client base. And I know this sounds a little bit silly to think even that you would want to be a stranger, but the reality is in life, oftentimes you say you're going to keep in touch with the past clients, past referrals, past prospects that never go with you. But those past folks, past relationships you know, you become a stranger with and you become a stranger as time goes on, you become more of a transaction to them than a client. And as a result, you're going to lose that opportunity. Your close rate on past clients and personal referrals is so much greater. So the importance of keeping in touch with them at a much, much greater rate, you're going to operate in less scarcity and again, have more of those ideal projects. Number five is try some new things. You know, I usually recommend with most of the companies I interact with is make sure that you're at least peppering in at least 5 or 10 or 15% of new ideas and new things. And the best way to do that is, first of all, see what other people are doing and start to brainstorm and actually attempt to do those kind of new things that other people are doing. 
It might be new ways that you're communicating. It might be new techniques, new advertising, new ways that you're going about doing things. It could be just creative ideas that you're seeing that the clients are responding to, new ways of getting leads and reviews. All of those things are just try some new things. Don't abandon everything you're doing, but also try some new things as well. The next tip I would have with you is make sure that you are a deputizing your team. You know, your team is, I think, really important, I think, in this. And when you see marketing today more than ever is a team sport, it's not just you out there or your marketing uh, agency or folks out there generating all the leads and opportunities for you. The more that you deputize your team and create the, the buzz about generating opportunities, but also get your team out there and incentivize them for bringing in the leads. I mean, if you're spending $100, $200, $300 per lead, don't you think it's worth $25 or $50 gift card if, in fact, your team can be more proactive with it? And this requires discussing it, not keeping it a secret. It requires celebrating those that are really successful at it. Number seven, when it comes to operating out of scarcity and into abundance, is you need a plan to be able to do this. This is not just going to happen. You need a concrete plan with very specific steps that you can monitor. You need activities that generate and make them part of the plan and then set up the right expectation. So number seven is make a plan. Number eight, and I think this is true with probably so many goals that you might have, is you've got to have a monitoring system. You know, I oftentimes, and in my Time Mastery book, I talk about there's a reason why people fall short when it comes to New Year's resolutions. And it's usually not because it wasn't a good idea or wasn't a worthwhile thing to try to engage in. It's usually because you don't have a way to monitor it. You don't have a way to kind of adjust. And the best way to think about this is think about a pilot flying from the East Coast to West Coast, from Washington, D.C. to San Francisco. All along the way, that plane, that pilot is monitoring and adjusting to the progress, um, adjusting to the air traffic, any headwinds or tailwinds, as well as certainly uh, any other kind of weather conditions that might need to be avoided. But, you know, their focus on getting to the finish line uh, and getting to the finish line on time. And if you have the right monitoring system, you can do that as well. The last thing, number nine tip, I think, is make sure that you're celebrating abundance more than just running and being afraid of scarcity. But the more you celebrate the abundance, the more you celebrate these things as it relates to, you know, additional leads or having plenty of food on the table or pipeline to work, the more likely it's going to become memorable and it's going to be sticky. And people on your team, as well as clients, as well as projects out there are going to tend to gravitate and you'll become more of a magnet rather than kind of a net that you're chasing after things. So in, in closing, what, what I would say that, you know, this is not easy. It is simple what I'm describing and it is important, but it's not necessarily easy. Easy means there's no skill involved. Easy means it doesn't take time and energy, but it is something that you can move from scarcity into abundance if you focus on it. The second is that if you don't do this, things will in fact fail. And I think you need to realize the risk just as much as the gain of operating 
And if, if in fact, you don't get things in balance, that business is going to suffer and fail and going to be very expensive. And then the last, it really is a choice. It's a choice on your part to either operate in abundance or operate in scarcity. It's not something that it's a gift from God. It is something you're choosing to do. And if you choose to go for abundance, I would argue you will have a lot more success at so many different levels, and a lot of things won't break down. So again, I want to thank everybody, and I want you to stay tuned for our thought leader interview that's coming up here. Uh, That interview, I think for many of our listeners, is oftentimes the most important part of this podcast. And again, I want to thank my friends at Professional Remodeler, Neri, as well as my producers of this podcast series, Surefire Local. So take care, everyone, and stay tuned for the next segment. I want to thank everybody for listening to Remodeling Mastery, but just as much I want to thank those that support this particular series. Now, first and foremost, I want to encourage you not just to listen, but to subscribe. And for those people that subscribe to this podcast or actually reach out to my producers, Surefire, a leading digital marketing organization, you'll actually receive a copy of one of my books that will help you take your business to the next level. This podcast series is actually supported by Professional Remodeler. Professional Remodeler is committed to help you understand and crack the code on your business. So I encourage you to try to Spend the time reading the magazine and reach out to them and be a little bit more of a voice in the industry. I also encourage you to get involved, get engaged. The National Association of Remodeling Industry, NERI, is a wonderful organization that I've been involved with with most of my career and actually had so many opportunities as a result of that. And lastly, certainly reach out to my friends at Surefire Local that'll be able to help you with your business. Welcome back to Remodeling Mastery. I'm your host, Mark Richardson, and this is the segment uh, that I think many of you listening to the uh, podcast series are uh, especially excited about, where I will interview a thought leader, a thought leader who, you know, is out there either doing something in an innovative way into the remodeling industry and their business, or has accomplished some pretty amazing things. And if you go back and listen to some of the earlier episodes, there's some really great uh, thought leaders and experts. I also bring on experts from either economists or people that are expert in some of the technologies. And my guest today is, is uh, someone I've gotten to know over the last many years, last 10 years or so. Uh, his name is uh, Ed Johnson. He's the executive director and CEO of the Better Business Bureau, Mid-Atlantic region, Uh, and, uh, you know, the Better Business Bureau, you know, is one of these organizations that I think everybody has probably heard of it before. Many of you listening to this are members, but I'm not sure everybody really totally understands not only what exactly the Better Business Bureau is and how the consumer uses it, but also how you can really leverage it to you know, improve and take your business to the next level. So, Ed, welcome to Remodeling Mastery. Well, thanks for having me, Mark. I do appreciate it. Great. So, why don't we begin by kind of, uh, kind of the what's it all about? What what exactly is the Better Business Bureau? Well, you touched on it a little bit. I mean, the BBB is a 
highly recognized and respected um, American institution. Uh, we are a nonprofit organization founded uh, way back in 1912, and we're really focused on self uh, self-regulation in, in the marketplace. Um, I guess, kind of in short. We're the vo voice of uh, trust and integrity uh, in, in business. Uh, you know, the BBB is the largest community of trustworthy businesses in, in North America. Now, the BBB is uh, a series, as we think about it organizationally, you have kind of a, uh, a governing kind of uh, group, but you also have individual chapters all around the country. Talk to us a little bit about the kind of the fundamental structure of the BBB. Yeah, there's um, a BBB chapter in pretty much every major metropolitan area throughout the United States. I think there's uh, roughly 110. Um, and then there's also uh, BBBs in, in Canada. Uh, each BBB is in, independently incorporated, run by a local uh, board of directors. And then there's an umbrella organization that helps um, kind of like a national umbrella organization called the International Association of Better Business Bureaus that helps coordinate and uh, set standard operating procedures uh, throughout the, the BBB uh, system. So, Ed, you have been with the, uh, the local organization here, obviously, for many years. Walk us through a little bit of your kind of background and your history, because I think it... Uh, it not only represents an interesting, I think, perspective and voice for the, uh, you know, for the listeners, but it also, I think, will create a little bit better context as we dive into some of the questions. Yeah, sure. So um, I've been with uh, the, the BBB system for well over 30 years. I've been the uh, president and CEO here in the D.C. area for 23 years. So this is uh, this has been my uh, my life's work. Uh, prior to that, I was an infantry officer. Um, you know, went to went to college and got a grad degree. But uh, BBB has been uh, my passion for for quite a long time. Excellent. So let's then dive into uh, some of your insights and some of your kind of ear to the ground. And one of the things that you know, and I I love the way you articulated that. You're kind of the, uh, you know, a, a body here that is focused on trust and in, integrity in the business marketplace. How, how, as we look at the consumer for a minute here, which is obviously a big part of what home improvement is about, is 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 addressing the consumer. How how have you seen this consumer change? Let's say in the last 10, 15, 20 years. Sure. Well, I think the today's consumer is more informed. Um, I think they're, they might be a little bit more demanding, um, and the, the reason they're more informed is because you know they have more information available to them uh, to do their due diligence. Things like customer reviews and ratings and things of this nature didn't even exist 10 years ago. So consumers today do their homework, and the reason they're doing their homework is they want to uh, mitigate risk. And it's easy to see how the consumer um, attitude is, has changed over the years. And you can see that in uh, just some of the basic statistics that exist for the demand for BBB public services. So just to give you an example, 
throughout the United States um, last year in 2018, there was over 170 million inquiries to the BBB on, on various companies. Wow. Um, whereas opposed, there was only 860,000 complaints. So what this tells you is that more people are calling to find out about a company before they do business with them so they don't have to complain later. So the, one of the key things in that, that inquiry, um, and an inquiry would be you know, someone who's just uh, they're thinking about doing business with a particular remodeler. Um, they want to find out as much as they can about the remodeler, so they go to the Internet. Um, and they you know, look up the company or they come directly to us. Um, due to uh, our, our domain authority, uh, which basically means that uh, our uh, information comes up high on Google search results, um, we have a lot of visibility. Um, so consumers come to us more um, now than they ever have in the past. Now, when they're coming to you, you they're, they're primarily coming to you via the internet today or are they kind of reaching out uh, with you know telephone calls or inquiries that way well they do both i mean the the volume of phone calls has certainly gone down um and the majority of those inquiries are coming through our website excellent excellent yeah one of the things we we've certainly talked in the past and had uh, google on as one of our you know, guests in the past, and they've talked about some of their research, which is consistent with yours, uh, is that homeowners today put more value on an online review than they do a personal referral. And, you know, this is a business home improvement that has been, you know, pretty much designed around, uh, you know, how do I get that personal referral to grow my business? And now, you know, online reviews are really what's key. So, you know, can they actually, I mean, is part of the BB service, BBB service to uh, be able to post reviews or is it to be able to kind of be that, uh, that, that source of insights about a company through review? Well, it's really all the above. I mean, we have uh, what's called a business profile. Uh, that business profile produces a rating, much like a school rating from A to F. And that primarily is based off of uh, how a company um, handles their complaints, um, issues that come in, do they resolve them, do they ignore them. Um, but we also uh, do customer reviews as well. Um, ours are a little different from uh, mainstream marketplace that we verify all reviews. So if a consumer post a review, uh, we contact the company and we verify that they're an actual customer before we even accept the review. Very interesting. So in terms of some of these complaints that you get, uh, are there any kind of common denominators between the kind of the size and the type and kind of what the complaints are about? Yeah, sure. So um, of the total inquiries that we get um, uh, nationwide out of that 170 million inquiries, about 19% of all inquiries that we receive are, are related to the remodeling industry. In fact, uh, uh, last month alone, it was the most popular search on uh, the BBB website. And the, as far as complaints go, out of the total national complaints that we get, about 5% uh, come uh, from the remodeling industry, 
And, you know, a lot of the complaints uh, revolve around the fact that expectations are high. Um, while most, uh, you know, contractors are professional, um, there are those out there that, that do less than satisfactory work. And I think that most, um, you know, I think that, that most of that has to deal with the fact that uh, when, as a remodeler, when you're entering somebody's home, um, it's critical to have good communications and good cu customer service uh, in addition to quality work um, because for most consumers, their home is the, the largest investment that they will ever make in their life, and they want to protect themselves and their investment. Now, when it comes to handling or, quite frankly, even avoiding these complaints, uh, you know, any – I mean, you get so many of them, you must be – Occasionally, or the organization thinking to themselves, wow, if they just would have done X, they would have avoided all of this kind of disruption and, and commotion here. So what, what might you recommend to, you know, homeowners out there, quite frankly, to avoid not only complaints that are on your desk at the BBB, but also complaints just, through, you know, through other social media activity? Right. So, I mean, we, as part of our general education and outreach efforts uh, for consumers, we're always reminding consumers to check with the BBB, uh, to be careful of certain types of uh, sales pitches. Uh, anytime um, a consumer is getting a pitch where, it, you know, the, the deal is, today, is available today only, or even if a, a remodeler uh, contacts them and says they're in the area, they have some extra materials from a local job, you know, these are things that you have to consider. We also advise consumers to get references, um, to make sure that they get everything in writing, uh, to make sure, that, you know, what the contract says about who's going to get the permits. Um, we advise them to compare apples to apples um, so that if you're getting a bid, uh, you know, is the quality of materials and the scope of the work the same for both bids? Um, you know, that's the general type of education that, uh, that we provide to consumers. Now, for uh, remodelers, uh, whenever they you know, may have an issue that comes to us and um, you know, they're trying to get it resolved, you know, we always advise them that the best strategy is to have a process in place uh, from the very beginning um, you know, that, that documents uh, and it shows what communications, what the expectations were. Um, and if you know if a if a contractor gets a complaint, no matter if it is direct um, to them from the consumer or the consumer has gone through uh, a third party like the BBB or the contractors board or whoever, you know we always encourage people to you know be prompt in responding. You know stick to the facts, uh, apologize for any misunderstanding, and and be sincere in trying to work it out. You know, I think your your advice is so important, and I work with and talk to a lot of home improvement remodeling contractors out there, and their natural tendency, because there's always two sides to the story, is to want, when they get a complaint on whether it's through the BBB or whether it's through, you know, one of the other review sites, is they want to arm wrestle. They want to argue. They want to use that forum to kind of, in a way, defend themselves, which is really uh, one of the worst things you probably you can do because, you know, now you're putting it out there. And if you're, a cons you're someone reading this, they're, they're, you're, you're not oftentimes 
you know, very well represented that way. And I think your your point, Ed, about, you know, be empathetic, you know, try to be, have a process, uh, try to be focused on, on uh, you know, solving the problem rather than necessarily defending yourself. Yep, very good points. So um, the BBB, again, is an organization, there's so much richness to it than just certainly being a, a, a way for consumers to check on contractors. Talk to us a little bit about, you know, other services or other ways even that, uh, you know, that small business, especially small business, which is most of what home improvement is, can, can really leverage kind of the BBB and, and take advantage of it. Sure. So um, I think one of the, the most important things is to make certain um, – as a remodeler or a small business, that you have a business profile with the BBB so that your potential customers can find you. Um, and then, you know, one step further, make sure that uh, the information in the BB fi BBB file is correct. Um, if you have any outstanding issues that need to be addressed, address them. Um, and if you have a good rating uh, with the BBB, you might want to consider uh, actually becoming um, an accredited business. You know, we did, uh, Nielsen did a, a survey a number of years ago, and they found that 80% uh, of consumers prefer to do business with someone who is accredited with the BBB over someone who is not. And you ask yourself, well, why is that? And it's about trust. You know, it's about trust in the marketplace. It's about mitigating risk. And for any small business, reputation management is critical in today's market. So ensuring that you have accurate, accurate information and people can find you on the Internet um, is pretty important. How about any additional services that the BBB has that might be beneficial to the business? Are there some additional things that, that uh, a small business could have access to if they were a member? Sure. I mean, there, there's a lot of different things that uh, that we do from, you know, discounts on various things you may purchase or buy. Um, and then, you know, there, the other services relate to uh, being able to identify yourself, having the seal of approval um, from the BBB on your website um, or a plaque in your office or a sticker on your, your van. These little, little things um, are actually very impactful uh, in the long run. Uh, we help with SEO. Um, we have a variety of different uh, services where they can gain additional exposure on the website. So it's not just uh, inquiries and complaints. There, there's a whole very robust set of services that we provide. Um, and we do that because, you know, someone who is BBB accredited, um, you know, we're trying to, to channel the marketplace, uh, the available marketplace uh, profit dollar to good companies and away from bad companies. So someone who's BBB accredited, they're going to have to agree to our core values about building trust, advertising honestly, telling the truth, being transparent, honoring promises, being responsive. You know, all these things, uh, you know, have a great indication of the, the type of experience you're going to have with a particular company. Consumers know this, and they want that seal of approval. They want to know that a third party um, is actually giving a thumbs up on that particular company. Well, and I think just to reiterate kind of what I mentioned earlier about this value that consumers are putting on a third party's 
view, a third party's perspective. And, you know, if you think about, again, being a home improvement remodeling contractor, you know, how many people are out there saying to everybody that they meet that they're, they do really good work or they are very trustworthy or are they uh, have a great team? Um, you know, but the reality is, is that uh, not all contractors, in fact, when you look behind the curtain, are, are that. Whereas I think if you uh, listen to a third party source, which is certainly what consumers are going to do, like the BBB, you'll get better insights. So, Ed, uh, I appreciate you coming on. Any final kind of uh, insights or thoughts that you'd kind of leave our uh, home improvement community with? Well, I think that, um, you know, just doing the right thing. I mean, it, in today's uh, day and age, as you mentioned, um, competition is tough. And if you're going to differentiate yourself, um, you know, you can do that with the quality of your work. But it's just as important in today's world to differentiate your, yourself with trust and integrity. Excellent. So, again, I want to thank you, Ed, for joining today. And I want to also thank our other supporters uh, for Remodeling Mastery. We have NARI, the National Association of the Remodeling Industry, very much of a trusted kind of uh, professional organization that you can join with your peers, as well as Professional Remodeler Magazine. Uh, they are certainly a source of innovative ideas and thoughts and business direction, as well as certainly our producer of this podcast series, Surefire Local, who is a leading digital marketing group that, you know, really encourage you to not just listen, but subscribe. And when you subscribe, you'll actually get uh, one of these episodes, new one, fresh one, coming to you every two weeks. And I encourage you to do that. So again, Thank you, Ed, for joining me today, and uh, take care, everyone. If you liked what you've heard, take a moment to subscribe to Remodeling Mastery on your phone using your favorite podcast app. It's available on all the major apps like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and SoundCloud. Go ahead and post in the comments what you learned and any questions you have for Mark, and he may answer them on an upcoming episode. Thank you again for listening to Remodeling Mastery by Mark G. Richardson.